Down to Business on News Talk. Sponsored by Bank of Ireland. Here to support your business as it keeps building for years to come with dedicated business teams. Callie Beaton is a writer, entrepreneur, business mentor, and a keynote speaker, but might best be known to you and me for her stand up comedy. She'll be speaking at this year's Pendulum Summit that takes place on April 26th and 27th out in the RDS in Dublin. But she joins me now. Good morning, Callie. How are you? Hi, Bobby. I'm good, thank you. Listen, uh, Callie, maybe you might just tell us a little bit about yourself. You've had a, a very, very interesting career and maybe, you know, many a person might have started at stand-up comedy and ended up in the corporate world. You seem to have come the, come the other way around. Tell us more. Yeah, I've either done the stupidest thing ever or I've been the cleverest person ever. Who knows? But I don't like to do things by halves. So, yes, most people, uh, as you know, they sort of uh, do jobs that aren't sensible jobs and then they end up moving into being responsible. And I sort of did it the other way round. So, yeah, I've had years in sort of boardrooms and working in the media. So I, I've, I've been you know, in a decent position in some of the big kind of media companies around the world. And I've had the pleasure of bringing shows like South Park and SpongeBob to the world. And it was a kind of random conversation. I won't give too much away of the actual story because I'm going to tell that story on stage at the summit. But suffice it to say, a very unexpected conversation with a very famous person who was quite a bit older than me at the time when I was 45 suggested I give stand-up comedy a whirl. And I'd always wanted to do it and I probably thought it was a bit too late. So I did, yeah, I started as an open micer because that's how you start as a comedian. Um, So I was juggling a boardroom career and open mic comedy in tandem for a couple of years until I reached a sort of tipping point where I thought maybe I can pull the ripcord and get out of the boardroom fully and sort of onto the airwaves and stages and TV screens. So I've gone from being behind the TV screens to on it at a time in life when I believe women are told they're meant to start to get invisible. That's fantastic. What a, what a great story. Uh, and I won't, I won't, I'll let you tell it uh, at the Pendulum Summit, but maybe let's just talk about some of the messages that you're going to be giving us at Pendulum. Um, say lessons from telev- the television industry for success in a virtual world. It's a very changing landscape, uh, Callie, the media landscape. Lots of stuff has changed in the last five, six years. Uh, where do you see it going where do you see things like tv radio podcasts do you see fusions of all these things or you know people wrote off cinema they wrote off tv but they all just keep morphing into different things yeah the old stuff doesn't tend to go away so if you look at the kind of obvious one that everyone will get their heads around so if you think about Netflix which believe it or not has been around over two decades already if you think about what Netflix did to the broadcast industry when it came along it gave broadcasters a real run for their money and still does you know and Netflix puts enormous budgets into shows on a scale that a lot of TV broadcasters can't afford because they're differently set up with their funding but it's not that the old stuff goes away the competition just gets tighter and the field gets bigger and it's about finding a place for users and consumers to get their stuff out there and watch or listen to their stuff I think so the so one of the things I think is unignorable no matter what age you are what you're listening to how you're watching content and consuming it it has become user generated and that has been going on a really long time but it's become more 
recognised, I guess, now with, you know, there are people I gig with on the comedy circuit who you wouldn't necessarily know as a comedian. And I'm not a big TikToker, nor do I spend a lot of time watching things on TikTok. But some of these guys have got, you know, half a million or two million TikTok followers. And that's how they've become famous. And then they get a TV show because they were a YouTube star, a TikTok star. So I think the key thing is that people beg forgiveness, not permission now with content. They're not saying, oh, please give me a chance, um, BBC or Channel 4. They're going, do you know what? I know I've got something really good to say. I know how to say it and I'm going to create it myself. And then you'll sit up and notice me if you didn't want to when I came to see you and when I was a nobody and you're a commissioner. So it's about it's about the fact that we this is an opportunity. We're not people think sometimes you know in the pandemic we were reduced to zoom we had to do things virtually we did virtual events now we're doing hybrid events that needn't mean compromise it's not saying oh no we've lost what we did before how are we gonna do the best we can to get a kind of poor imitation of it it's saying right that world has gone everything's changed creativity knows no limits so what am I going to do or what are we going to do that takes everything we did before and does something really exciting and ambitious in whatever the new normal is so I think it's about finding change energizing and that that I know it's a cliche to say it but the kind of what if not no because you know what if we tried this so I I think there's a I'd love to say I've got a crystal ball and can tell you what's going to happen in the broadcast and media industry I don't know but I do know the people who are going to be winning in it are the people who are willing to be agile and take what they do know and learn a lot of new things quickly yeah and one, one thing that hasn't changed, Callie, is that you still have to stand out from the crowd. It's a very cl- crowded area. And, you know, to be noticed, to be successful, you have to differentiate yourself from everything else that's out there. Let, let's move on to uh, confessions of a public speaker. And as I say, you said yourself you were late enough to this game. <laughs> um, but you have a lot of tips and a lot of advice to people who may be terrified about public speaking. Tell us more. Well, I always say, so people, first of all, let's be honest, it takes a lot of effort to make anything look effortless. So people who do what you do for a living, what I do for a living, people might be listening to this, they might look at what I do on stage at Pendulum or watch me on the telly and go, God, it's easy for her. And it isn't easy for anybody, a huge amount of effort goes in to all the pre-work. I love my time on stage and I find it a huge amount easier than my time off stage so by the time I turn up in a room yeah sure it's great fun and I've done all the logistics I've done the prep I've thought about it I've lost sleep over it and now I can do it and I think uh, I nearly left um I, I got into a sort of my first boardroom position when I was very young I was on the board of um ITV I was the youngest and only female member of the board because they bought the production company I ran when I when I wasn't really expecting my life to work out like that yeah. and I remember someone saying to me a few months into that job where I was completely out of my depth no one would have known it but I was suffering horribly from imposter syndrome not admitting it to anyone and they said oh you're gonna can you do a sort of you know annual update on your business uh, it's going to be a we're going to we're hiring out the Odeon Marble Arch Alistair Stewart's going to be the anchor you just need to stand up for 15 minutes and do a business update in front of two three thousand uh, members of staff and I remember thinking well this is it now this is where I leave my job because I cannot do that and I didn't tell anyone I couldn't do it I didn't say I'm terrified please could you send me on some media training I took some time off work and pretended it was for holiday and actually put myself on a public speaking course 
and I somehow modeled through that presentation and I over the years since now make a living out of it and I think that's worth people knowing because if I can now be one of the kind of world's kind of like well certainly I'm a booked very booked speaker whether or not I'm one of the best speakers you're, you're you know the audience will have to say it's all about I'm, the sales <laughs> Callie it's all about the sales <laughs> but I know I could hold my own on, on you know some of the biggest stages in the world but it didn't just come out of nowhere so I think probably there's a few sort of uh, scurrilous anecdotes I can share and a few nice things you know I've worked I've trained you know, Premier League footballers to be after dinner speakers. I've had some interesting experiences in this area. But what I would say is, you all have seen this. I've seen it. I've heard it. You know, when people have incredible stories, but the way they tell them is so hard to keep with them because they just don't know how to spin a story. Yeah. You've also have people who haven't got much to say, but my God, you'd listen to them reading out the phone book. And yeah. if there's one thing I would say, it's we spend so much time in the content of what we're going to say. Am I going to get found out? Do I know enough? Am I good enough? What about if you just think about how am I going to get my message across? What does the room want from me? How am I going to turn up in this room? Really turn up and make people excited that I'm there. And you don't really know the answer to that till you get there. So I suppose my one kind of giveaway that I would give even in this conversation would be think about how you're going to do the thing more than what it is you're going to do. And you'll already be halfway there. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. You also mentioned around imposter syndrome, Callie, the power of vulnerability uh, and accepting and enhancing the different versions of oneself. Tell me about those things. Well, it's funny because it sort of ties into being a speaker and really um, kind of seizing the day, which is you get to a certain point in life, uh, maybe our and uh, maybe mine and your point, Bobby, we won't say what age we are, <laughs> but you start to ponder the big questions. And I, I think I realised quite late in life that the messy bits of your story are the interesting bits of your story. You know, if, if a really famous, if Rainer Fiennes got up on stage and told you about something, you know, that had gone wrong in his home life or on the journey there or how he'd had to fix his plumbing the night before, I'd be quite interested in that. I'd be like, yeah, sure, you know, Everest, South Pole, North Pole, but what about that? That's funny, That's I can relate to that. So I remember doing, um, doing a keynote speech many years ago and I won't bore you with all the ins and outs, but I'd had a really bad bit of news the night before. And I'd spent the night before this speech kind of crying into my pillow and thinking, I don't know if I can go and do a speech for 5,000 people at the Excel or wherever it was. And the next morning I got there, I kind of made myself look all right. I kind of turned up and when I stood up, I didn't plan to say it, but I said to all these, though it was for a PA summit. So these 5,000 PAs, it was a breakfast thing. And I said, um, I'm standing up here suited and booted but I don't know if I'm going to get through this speech because I've had some really bad news last night and I, I'm feeling quite shaky. So I'm going to try and do my best. But please forgive me if this is not what you generously gave your time to come and watch. The speech went fine. And I was like, what a moron. Why did I say that? And then afterwards, I've never had a warmer response from the audience, but also members of my team at the time. I still had a big day job and I realised being authentic. I opened that with a really authentic glimpse behind the curtain and everybody was like riveting I thought wow so telling people the stuff that's difficult it doesn't undermine you it gives it's like a superpower so I yeah. suppose I felt that power of that vulnerability and it was very counter to how I'd lived my professional life until that point so yeah I think it I mean Brene Brown has written and spoken so beautifully on the subject of vulnerability and anyone who doesn't know her work that's a good place to start yeah but I, I think it's really powerful especially as a keynote speaker otherwise you're just some smug know-it-all aren't I great and no one wants to hear that for an hour do they 
No, absolutely not. <laughs> you also talk, Callie, about change and reinvention. I think this is an interesting area because, you know, change versus ambition, I suppose, they can be often in two opposite corners. You know, you're comfortable in a place, it's all going fine. Just don't, you know, don't upset the apple cart. But then I'm ambition. And if I'm ambitious, I need to somehow embrace change and go with change. Yeah, and there's no, I mean, if you think about what holds us back from any massive life decision, I think this is a Buddhist thing, it's not my thing, um, but but a, a famous kind of Buddhist, well, I don't know what Buddhists are, but Buddhist monk or whatever Buddhists are, a famous Buddhist person uh, said, when you're looking at a crossroads in life, think about whether the decision you're going to make, whether it's going to enlarge or diminish your life, which is, that's not about, is it going to make me happy? It's not about, is it going to succeed? but will making this decision enlarge or diminish my life? And there's something about people thinking, well, the thing that holds us back from success is a fear of failure. And that if you think of all the things you've ever done in your life, and my goodness, comedy tells you this, you never learn as much from a good gig as a bad gig. You have to be willing to fail forward in order to do what I now do for a living. So I think it's for me, it's having spent a lifetime thinking, and a lot of companies don't let people fail. You know, they're not allowing you to have those failures, but we need to engender cultures where we are encouraged to fail as long as we, you know, if you watch a little child learning to, a baby learning to walk, you don't watch that baby fall over and go, you stupid baby, don't try that again. You go, well done, you took three steps, you know, come on, next time you might yeah. take four or you might fall over even sooner. But we know you're going to walk one day and this is, we're proud of you for starting. And I think we need to um, have much more of that approach in because there is no, you don't get to a genius level of much okay. without a very bumpy ride. So yeah, I'm a big believer in daring to fail and having ambition when you change. Okay, change. well, look, we're really looking forward forward to meeting you and indeed hearing your deliberations <laughs> at the pendulum summit i'm also looking forward to your jokes Callie. so <laughs> i'm glad you've kept a few of them i'm gonna the keep them day. clean bobby that's what i've been told <laughs> nobody wants my late night stuff for stag do's at the pendulum summit i'm gonna try and remember where i'm at and my audience <laughs> all right well listen i'm looking forward to meeting you and thanks very much for joining us today that's Callie beaton uh entrepreneur performer a keynote speaker and what a sage and i want to just a, a lovely way about talking about uh, one's work and one's business through the medium of comedy. Thank you, Gally. Thank you.